Welcome to season two of Getting There with Goss. For some of you, this is the first Godzilla Media podcast you've listened to. What is Godzilla Media? It is a multimedia platform wanting to send your message across. Have you always thought about maybe launching a podcast, a YouTube show, a social media show, just not quite sure how to do it? Or you needed that support, you want to work with professionals, you want to find a way to increase your brand, your show, all that stuff? Here it happens, Godzilla Media. For more information how your podcast could join Godzilla Media or how to launch a podcast through Godzilla Media or any other show that you want to host, reach out today, G-O-Z at GodzillaMedia.com. G-O-Z at GodzillaMedia.com. Check us out on YouTube, Apple, Spotify. Just search Godzilla Media and you can listen to all the shows across the platforms today. Getting there with Godzilla, part of the Godzilla Media platform. And also, don't forget, when you're listening to this podcast and any other Godzilla Media-sponsored podcast, they happen because of the great people we've partnered with, like our friend Jared Lozier at Northeastern Insurance. If you're looking to find a way to save some cash in 2022, have you thought about the things that are most important to you in your life, your car, your home, your house, your valuables, and maybe monthly and yearly you're spending too high of a cost? Have someone shop the market for you to save some cash. That's what Jared Lozier will do for you at Northeastern Insurance. Email him today. If you like this podcast, you're looking to save money, why wouldn't you email him and at least ask for a quote? J-A-R-E-D-L at N-E-Mail.com. J-A-R-E-D-L at N-E-Mail.com. Just email and say, I want to save money. I heard getting there with Goss. Save me money, Jared. He'll help you out. Or give him a call right now. 518 956 Three seven five three. If you're listening on your phone, just save the number right now. 518-956-3753. Jared Lozier, Northeastern Insurance, helping you save cash for 2022. Now, on to this episode of Getting There with Goss. Getting there with Goss. Getting there with Goss. Here we go, season two of Getting There with Goss. We're opening up the season with one of upstate New York's favorites, Capital Region especially, Colin Taylor, CT, former champion for the Albany Empire. And if this is your first time listening, Getting There with Goss, it's about the career journeys of athletes, coaches, media members, business owners, and more. Uh, CT, Colin Taylor, for those who aren't familiar with you, let's go back to the beginning. A younger version of you, six, seven, eight years old. Where'd you grow up? What you want to be as a kid, and was it that same dream job when you were 18? Guys, I appreciate you having me on, man. I'm I've been excited to do this since we talked about it. Um, you know, always love coming on the radio with you guys, and it's so cool to see that you're reaching out and doing, doing podcasts. And it's a, my absolute pleasure to be, um, you know, the first guest here on season two. So, yeah, six, seven, eight years old, grew up in Indianapolis, Indiana, just north of in a city called Carmel. Um, had a super supportive family. They've always been number one in my life. My my sister was my idol growing up. Whatever she did, I did. You know, she uh, she braided her hair. I braided my hair. She uh, you know she went to the weight room. I went to, I went to the weight room. She listened to music. I listened to that same music. So um, I kind of spent you know the first 10, 20 years of my life trying to follow in her footsteps. Um, and I still kind of am always aspiring to be more like my sister every day. But I grew up playing every sport you could imagine. You know, in the summer I would go from a baseball game 
and that my mom would drive me right over to the swimming pool and then I'd be in a, you know, a, a swim meet. And then we go right from there to basketball practice. Um, just love sports, love competing, love the camaraderie, loved all the, all the close friendships I made. Um, and back then I never thought I would really have a future in sports. It was just something that I, that I love doing. Um, but along with that passion, you know, I kind of fell in love with, uh, you know, old players like Allen Iverson, um, a former NBA basketball player for, you know, people who aren't familiar with him. Hopefully everybody, everybody is, but you know, uh, receivers like Marvin Harrison, former Indianapolis Colt, great um, Peter Warwick of, of Florida state and the Cincinnati Bengals. And I just watched these guys and I would watch games all day. I would record the games on VHS tape. And then I would watch the tape again after the game. And I would say, what are these guys doing, man? Oh, he did this move. Let me go practice it. And I would, I'd go out in the hallway or I'd go in, you know, and I'd go in the basement and drive my parents nuts. I'd be throwing balls all over the place, trying to jump and hit my head on the ceiling to increase my vertical jump, you know, all these type of things. Um, and that kind of carried me, that passion kind of carried me through high school where I had a pretty, pretty decent college career when it came to sports. Um, ended up leaning towards football because there was just something different about football than, than it was about other sports. I think it was, again, that team aspect, and it was so fun for me to be able to, um, you know, have that team on the field to support me with everything I do and then be able to look up in the stands and see my, see my parents and my sister and my family members up there supporting me. So, um, again, just the passion for wanting to learn, wanting to get better, wanting, wanting to be the best athlete I could possibly be um, kind of led me to an opportunity to play uh, college football at Indiana University. So I played it at, at IU from 2005 to 2009. I mean, in my mind, the best, best, one of the best places on the planet, you know, very close second upstate New York. Um, but Bloomington, Indiana is one of those places that if anybody gets the opportunity to, uh, to visit, especially during the school year, they should, they should definitely go. And so got the opportunity to play football again, followed my sister's footsteps. She went and um, she was on the track team there. So I spent the springs and, and summers going up to track meets to watch my sister. And I say, yeah, I, I want to do that. I want to wear the crimson and cream and was blessed with the opportunity to play football and took full advantage of it. Played five, six, seven different positions there at Indiana and um, got an opportunity. Again, I, I keep saying the word opportunity, but that's what it was, you know, it kind of preparation led me to these opportunities and took advantage of my opportunity to, to play professional football um, landed in the arena football league in 2010 uh, kind of bounced around for three years, ended up in Cleveland in 2014, which is now my current home. And I played here 2014 to 2018. And I mean, that that time was just incredible in my life. I, I had changed from basically playing to spite people, which which I did for a long time in high school and college. I told you I could do this. You know, I, you guys, you guys didn't trust me. I told you I could do this. I, I was, I was mad. I was angry. I was trying to prove people wrong. I got to Cleveland. I said, you know what, man, let me just, let me just be happy that I'm here. Let me practice gratitude. Let me be happy that I can put these pads on every day and I can go out with these, with these like-minded guys and just, you know, go to war on the field. And, and that led ultimately to four years of success. I was leading the rec leading receiver in, in Cleveland uh, for the gladiators of the arena football league for, for four seasons and set multiple records, um, met some of my best friends there. I mean, some guys who will stand up at my wedding I, I met in Cleveland and um, Cleveland became home to me back then, 2014, 2015, and then um, spent a couple years where we met up in Albany, New York, thought my career was over. I was okay with moving on. Um, ultimately I wanted to end up in strength and conditioning where I am now. Um, and but coach Keith, anybody who knows anything about coach Keith, who's my head coach there in Albany for two years is this dude can recruit the heck out of you. And, um, you know, he basically says, CT, you come to Albany, we're going to get you a championship in two years. I said, I'll, I'll give you two years. You know, I'm 30, 31, 32 years old. And, and that, um, that second year we played in arena bowl 32, we won arena bowl 32. And after that, I had really accomplished everything 
professionally, individually, and as a team that I wanted to accomplish. And then I was finally able to, to get the tattoo to represent my um, world championship that I won in, in Albany. And, and since then have spent uh, every waking hour and, and many even sleeping hours trying to figure out how I can help athletes and people who want to get better and optimize their wellness, how I can help them and guide their journey to be able to ultimately end up wherever they want to. Um, I live every day to, to be a, a good representation to my, to my nieces, um, excuse me, to my niece and nephews um, to, to say that, Hey man, if you guys want to do something, you can do it. Your uncle did it, you know, and it always chokes me up thinking about it, but that's, that's what took me through these last 10 years is I wanted, um, I wanted those kids to be able to, you know, turn on the TV, see their uncle. I wanted, um, you know, them to be able to go to YouTube when they figure that out, when they unlock the parental controls and get old enough and can search like, you know, CT professional football highlights that they can watch that and show their friends and say like, man, my, my uncle did everything he said he was going to do. Um, and so I continue to kind of just push for that, to be a good inspiration to, to, to kids and athletes and, and adults everywhere to say that like age is just a number. We're always trying to level up. You know, I'm always trying to be a better person today than I was yesterday. And again, it's all grounded in gratitude. So again, I'm, I'm grateful for the journey. I'm, I'm grateful for where I'm at, but I'm just getting started, you know, and I'm grateful to be here with you. That's why I wanted you to kick off season two with us. Cause those terms right there, inspiring, inspirational, giving that advice to younger people. That's what this podcast is all about. You were the first name, first guest I wanted because of these stories you're going to share with us today. I want to set it all the way back though, to Carmel high school for the New York uh -huh. listener in particular, because some may not be familiar with that area. And if my timeline's correct, when you're playing, this is like a glory time in your high school and the neighboring high schools, because I believe your high school had a player named Josh McRoberts. Perfect. Well done. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, and he was playing against Lawrence North, which is Greg Oden and Mike Conley. So you got in your area three NBA guys plus your football. Like this is a glory era that you're trying to find your yeah. way to like stand out in in Indiana. Yeah, you are very well read. Um, I appreciate that. You know, a, a, a guy that often goes without being mentioned to is Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon played at North yes. Central across the street, and he 10-time uh, or like 10, 11, 12-year NBA career. I actually, in college, beat him in a game of horse um, in the backyard of my fraternity house. He had a backpack and flip-flops on. I had, a, I had a headband. I had a shooter sleeve. <laughs> like, it was, you know, it was a, a peak moment in my basketball career. Um but, you know, Eric Gordon was there. We had a ton of players come out and, and have a lot of success in college at the D Division One level. And like you said, I was just trying to get seen. Um, Josh was Josh was a great person to follow. Josh, we knew when he when he got into high school that he was going to be something special. Um, and so I wanted to be that kind of on the football side at, at Carmel High School. And and it took me some time. I, I went into I went into high school. And then another kind of funny point a lot of people don't know is the first day I weighed in for our football program as a true freshman, which, you know, high school, you're, you are a true freshman anyway, but I was 99 pounds, 99 so pounds, 99 pounds. So I weigh in right. And now you see ninth graders, they're, they're 185. They can bench press 225, 12 times, right. They can front squat 315. I mean, it's outrageous. It wasn't like that then, you know? So I got up there I weigh 99 pounds. I look at the coach in the eye and he goes and he says to the guy who's recording, he said, 125. I said, Hey, I appreciate that. You know, <laughs> so that was it. The rest of the time, I was just chasing that. I was chasing that for four years. I would, um, every, every Sunday morning I would wake up, I'd go look at the newspaper. I said, what, what was this guy's receiving stats? What was this guy's receiving stats? And I always had to be better. And I was always chasing people. My, my, my best friend, Steve Albert, and still to this day, um, 
you know, again, a guy who's going to stand up as my best best man in my wedding. I, I'm not engaged, but in in the future, right? That's right, right, right. Saying. Um, <laughs> he said to me, he said to me as a sophomore, he said, "You think this guy?" And he, he mentioned a certain guy. You think this guy's sleeping in? You think this guy's, you know, just going through the motions like you're doing? I said, "No, he's probably going. He's probably going to the weight room at five in the morning." He said, "All right, let's go to the weight room at five in the morning." Man, that's way too early. He said, that's what they're, that's what they're doing. That's what it's going to take. So we spent four years in high school. He would pick me up. We'd go to the gym and we'd lift weights. We had no idea. You know, we were reading out of a muscle and fitness magazine. We didn't have any idea what we were doing. We were doing, um, you know, six weeks to bigger biceps. We we're doing 12 weeks to bigger bench press. Um, but I learned a lot in that time. I learned, uh, you know, camaraderie and teamwork and accountability. And I, I, I learned so much in the first few hours of of every morning of, of the day in high school that I, that I learned through um, just spending this time with my buddy, Steve, that that now morning routine carries me every single day, even at 35 years old, my first, you know, 30, 45 minutes is, is planned out every single day. Cause I've got to, I've got to prime my body, prime my mind to be able to, to achieve, you know, peak um, coaching, peak health, peak performance, keep peak, peak fitness, whatever it is I want to achieve that day. Um, I try to set up in a good morning routine and that started, you know, as a 99 pound, ninth grader back then in Carmel at, at Carmel High School. And it works because you go from that 99 pounder to being an impact player for your football team and playing division one football, but your path to Indiana, take us through it. Was where you recruited was a division two, II, division three. Why did you eventually, I believe, walk on at Indiana rather than taking maybe another offer to another school? Yeah. It, you bring up a, you bring up a great point. Shout out to all the walk-ons because you know, nowadays everybody, you know, wants to post about their, their offers on Twitter and everybody wants now recruiting is different. You can send in, you know, highlight tapes just through a text message. You know, you go to the school, you put your jersey on, you say, hey, this this school offered me. You take a picture, you get 100 likes. Like, it wasn't like that. Right. And so I I, I remember writing hand, handwritten letters to different teams, um, Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, and I would burn these VHS tapes, which again, maybe some of the listeners don't even know what a VHS tape is, but I would spend <laughs> hours in our TCOM offices burning these VHS tapes every week, Sunday, Monday, I would send them out to schools, wouldn't hear anything, send them out to schools, wouldn't hear anything. I mean, I'm the, my senior year, I was, I was the second um, leading receiver in all statistical categories. The kid who was number one ended up going to Indiana university. So again, this is chasing this guy. Um, and I'm just handwriting letters and I'm sending out tapes and I'm sending out tapes. I don't hear anything. Um, start here. And after the scene, my senior year, I start hearing from division three schools, division two schools, which, which was great. But again, I, I just, I was chasing what my sister was doing and, and chasing what my sister had. And um, I, uh, I had the opportunity to visit a few different places. Uh, but eventually I, I just went one of those, one of the um, track meets that I went to on my sister, I brought my VHS tape. I brought the letter and I walked to the football offices at Indiana, who was not even looking at me, not recruiting me at the time. And I said, hey, here's my tape. I said, here's my letter. And, and, I, and I went to a gentleman who was still there, Harold, um, Harold Morrow, God bless him. Um, I said, hey, I'm, I'm playing for your team in the fall. I said, can I get the strength, um, the strength and conditioning workout? And he said, I don't have, you're playing for a team. He said, you don't have any information here. And I said, no, I, I'm going to be here in the fall. So just like, let me get the strength and conditioning workout so I know what to do this summer. Um, the guy thought I was crazy. You know, I yeah. just like, <laughs> and even my mom's like, you did what? My sister said, you can't go down there. I said, dude, I'm going to play here next year. Like, of course I can. Um, and I got a call a couple months later from, from one of our coaches there who said, Hey CT, you know, we, we watch, we liked your film. Um, we heard what you said to Harold Morrow. Don't ever do that again, but it caught our eye. And, uh, <laughs> we were 
And so I showed up to school thinking I was on the team. They said, yeah, show up with some cleats, whatever you need. You know, this date at 7 p.m. I said, great, no problem. I walk in there with some swag thinking like I'm the guy. There are 99 other guys in this room. It was me and 99 other guys, 100 total guys for this walk-on tryout. And um, they end up picking six of us. And I was one of the six. And I, for some reason, I knew I was on the team, but I knew I was going to take, it was going to take me a, a, a lot of work to get to where I was. So once I made the team, you know, I, I, I went in there and I worked my butt off every opportunity I was given running down on scout team. I was getting, you know, big first team, all big 10 guys running me over every single day in practice. Um, and I did that for two years, two, three years. And again, now, Guys don't play right away. They want to leave. They want to transfer. They, I don't get along with the coach. You know, I, I, I dated the wrong person and the coach doesn't appreciate that night. And, and I left and I was never, I was never going to do that because I, I knew I worked too hard to get to the point I was. And I knew um, that if I left Indiana to go try to play somewhere else that I was going to let down the, the people who supported me through that whole process. So um, eventually ended up switching after three years of playing special teams Um before our uh, first game, my senior year, August 30th of 2009, one of the one of the better days uh, of my life, probably top five best days of my life. Um, I was offered a full uh, full athletic scholarship. Um, and it was the culmination of years and years and years of work. I mean, so, you know, and again, guys, you're getting me. What are we 15 minutes into this thing? And I'm, and I'm already getting choked up. Um, I got to tell my mom she didn't have to pay for school anymore. And that was the best feeling. I've ever had in my life when I got to, when I got to tell my mom that. Um, and so I'm just like chasing that now, you know, that feeling that I had, I want to give that back to my parents for paying for school for three years um, and supporting me through the journey. Uh, again, it's, it's the path less traveled, but I am who I am now because of it. You, you almost got me going there too. My season uh, premiere season one got me. And now you almost got me because uh, feeling that as a dad and having a friend, I'll just give him a shout out for a previous episode. Mike Acchione was one of my groomsmen at my wedding. Walk on scholarship his senior year, how much it means to your family, how much it means when you're grinding it out. The story of being six of 99 making the team and there you are showing all that work finally paying off and having that opportunity. There are so many instances through your time at Indiana where somebody could have said, like you mentioned, the transfer portal. I'm going to quit. This isn't worth it. I'm, the work's not paying off but you stuck with it. You inspired people to do it. And that would have been enough. Like just to get a scholarship for most people, that could have been the end of your story. Hell, just to get on the field, not even get on the field, just to have a jersey and stand on the sidelines. Yeah. There are so many steps where that could have been the end for you. But that's not where it ends for you. Like you end up getting a paycheck to play football. So take us through the transition now for you where you leave Indiana in the next stage of your career. Yeah, guys, I'll tell you, I tried to quit. It's not like I didn't um, had a great conversation with my sister. We, we played in a spring game my junior year, had a great game. Um, I led the I led the team in receiving, scored the game winning touchdown. They're talking about me in the news. They're, they're writing stories on me in the paper. I'm watching highlights of the game and I'm the one they're talking about. You know, hey, next big thing, blah, 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 receiver, um, you know, out of Carmel, Indiana. And they interview our coach and um, they said, well, you know, Colin Taylor had a great spring ball. You know, where, what's he looking like going in the fall? And our coach said he put himself – I'll never forget this. He put himself in an opportunity to complete – excuse me. He put himself in an opportunity to compete for a spot. And I thought, I did that when I made the team, 
right? I, right. I did that. I put myself in there and I stand out finally after all this hard work. I've since broken the receiver bench record. They said, you weren't strong enough to play. I said, all right. A year later, I broke the receiver bench record. They said, you're not fast enough. I went in time the second fastest 10 on the team, 125 guys. I was the second fastest one on the team. They said, nah, you, now you've put yourself in a position to, to compete. So I told my sister, I said, I'm good. I'm out. I'm out. I've done everything I can do. And she said, no. And I was like, come on. Like, you're not, you're not in it. Like, you don't hear these conversations. You're not in these meetings. You don't hear what he's saying. Right. And she didn't let me quit. And um, if I would have quit, the path would have been completely different, but, but it didn't. And I think about that every time that I want to quit. Um, I actually, my first start, I shouldn't have started. I wasn't supposed to start. We were playing Iowa, Iowa Hawkeyes, 4-0, fourth in the nation on uh, Halloween, October 31st, 2009. Uh, I go out, I just made the switch to safety. We go out, we're warming up, Kinnick Stadium, rocking, sold out. Everybody's dressed up. I mean, anybody who's ever been to Iowa or played at Iowa and see it on TV, it's one of the best places in the nation to play. We're warming up. Our starting free safety gets hurt. National Anthem goes. I'm, I'm doing my routine. I'm saying my little prayer. I open my eyes. I turn around, and our starter's behind me in street clothes. And he says, CT, you're up. And I go, dude, I just, I don't even know what position, what position am I playing? Free safety? I, you know, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. He said, you're up, right? Go out there against the number four team of the nation, have an interception on the first drive. Next possession, force a fumble. Ooh. Third, come back, have another interception. And it was just like, you know, it was just flow state. Like it was easy. The game was easy to me. So I get home. We have... We actually were, were, were beating Iowa, the number four team in the nation, going into the fourth quarter, 27 points. They come back to beat us in the biggest comeback in Big Ten history. So I'm supposed to be on Sports Illustrated the next day, you know? But yeah. instead, Iowa, it's DJK. It's a guy who I know well now. He's on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I'm like, dang, that could have been me. But I come back to a voicemail from a coach from an arena football league team. And he says, hey, he said, CT, I saw, your, um, I saw you play uh, against Iowa today um, on ESPN. He said, I love your game. If the NFL doesn't work out, do you want to come play arena football? I said, NFL doesn't work out. I just learned this position three days ago. Of course the NFL is. You know what I mean? I'm thinking like, <laughs> and that's one thing I've always been true and, and honest with myself, right? Oh, I got six games to play this position. Yeah, I'm going to go to the NFL. Um, so so I, I, do, I do the NFL stuff. I do my combine stuff. I do my pro day stuff. Always had great numbers, just didn't have film. Um, so I end up calling this coach back. I said, Hey, I would love to give this arena football league thing a shot. End up making the team after a, um, it, the Oklahoma city yard dogs was the team in 2010, which some, some people in the capital region are familiar with Tommy Grady. Um, one of the greatest of all time. Tommy was actually my quarterback there in 2010, uh, for the yard dogs. Um, in that season, 18 game season, I was cut and signed by that same team nine times. And I thought that's what it was. I was just thinking, okay, this is how this is how it's supposed to go. This is what's done. But turns out they were doing that so they didn't have to pay me. You know, they're still feeding me, still putting me up, but I wasn't making any money. And again, without the support system at home, I would have been out. But each time I said, hey, I'm cut. I'm going to change my flight. You know, and then, hey, I got to change my flight. They signed me back. They all, were always supportive. Two, three years bouncing around. Then again, ended up in Cleveland in 2014. Had the best camp, but again, ended up behind a guy who had more tenure, who had who had a better tape than me. Um, he ended up getting hurt, unfortunately, three or four games in the season. And then going out onto the field, coach says, hey, you ready? I said, bro, 
I've been ready for this, right? This is what I've been, this is what I've been waiting for. Unfortunately, it was a situation where, you know, uh, my buddy TC got hurt, but I went out there um, and the next four years led the team in receiving. Like I, you know, it was one of those things where I just said, I, I, this is what I was meant to do. Um, and it's, it was more a testament to my willingness to be able to adapt and work hard and learn the game and spend time on Sundays watching film and asking questions and picking the brains of some of the best receivers um, I've ever played with in the arena football league guys like um, guys like Jesse Schmidt guy, Dominic Goodman out of Cleveland, you know, even some of the guys I played with, uh, you know, in, in Albany, some of the best players I've played with Greg Carr, another one that always comes to mind, but even, you know, as a 32 year old eight year arena football veteran, I was just always asking questions. I always wanted to get better. Um, and I started to figure out my game. I started to figure out where I could help the offense. And I, and I became more vocal. And, and I was always kind of one of those leaders who was always doing the right thing. But I became the vocal, you know, more of a vocal leader. Um, and I just loved also the, the, the camaraderie um, amongst the players, the team, and the fans of the Arena Football League. And I just couldn't get enough. So I wanted to entertain. You know, I came up with a touchdown celebration. I came up with, you know, uh, T-shirts. And I would I would do things that people like to watch. And then it would end up, you know, that's how we end up having the conversations. And I every night I went out there on a Saturday night when I was playing Arena Football, I wanted that person in the crowd who's going to watch a Cleveland Gladiators game or an Albany Empire game. If that was their first game, I wanted them to watch number 11. I wanted them to watch number number 17. And I wanted them to have the time of their life. And I feel like that was a part of the reason I was there on the field is to, to give that person the best experience ever. And I, I think in 10 years, I was able to have a good impact on, on everywhere I went, on, on players, on coaches. Um, and ultimately, arena football is what led me to the position I'm at now. And I am confident that every job that I have ever moving forward will be because of arena football connections because we're a small fraternity and you know everybody's tight and everybody keeps tabs on everybody and I'm so appreciative of the arena football league for that and for those opportunities yeah that take you had there about putting smiles on people's faces and having fun and being entertained for those who have never had the opportunity to go to an arena football game maybe if you're listening from outside of upstate New York or you didn't get a chance to go to the Albany Empire games that's what it was that's like that summed it up from the pregame introductions to what's going on on the field to the touchdown celebrations it is really a party it makes you feel good. It's different than NFL or college. The personalities of the players are really able to come out during some of the biggest plays of the game. You mentioned that you did get recruited by Coach Keith to come to the Albany Empire. I think it's easy to describe Albany as maybe a, a unique market in comparison to the markets you've played in, in the past because like Cleveland, Cleveland has professional sports team, but they're passionate sports fans. When you came to Albany, you guys are – are it like the Albany empire following is so unique. I think to any upstate New York market where you might've felt that initially where you came were like, Oh, Albany's different. Like this is not something I've done before in my career before. Yeah. I, I loved playing in Iowa. I was there for a couple of years. Barnstormer fans are, are just known for what they do on game days and the tailgates and the crazy out uniforms and outfits that they wear. Um, you know, and I, I'm sure we'll talk a little more. Iowa barnstormer football here moving forward. Um, Cleveland was great again because they just love sports. It didn't matter what it was. If it was if it was arena football, if it was indoor soccer, if it was, you know, tetherball outside, like they just love supporting athletes and love supporting their teams. And we were fortunate that we played where the Cleveland Cavaliers played. We were owned by the same guy. So Dan Gilbert was our owner. So every time I would go to a Cavs game, there would be promos with my face up there and my tattoos up there. 
right? Or, or watching come to arena football games. I'm up there cheering and, and double bicep flexion, whatever I'm doing. Um, and they did a great job of being able, able to promote the sport. But like you said, we go out and, and there's the Browns and there's the Cavs. And we had a professional um, hockey team at the time. And so we were, you know, we were known, we were recognized, um, but got to Albany it was, and it was completely different. And I, and I was told it would be different, but I wasn't sure anything could even come close to Cleveland. And um, it absolutely was different. I remember my first fan event that I went to, I met some very dear friends, um, the Canes who now John and, and, and Kate are, are partial owners of the team and they hold a special, super special near dear place in my heart. Um, but they were the first people I met. And, and it, just the idea that I went to the first event that I got to in Albany and met lifelong friends, I mean, just tells you the type of people that that the Capital Region produces for their fans. Um, you know, not only did I was I able to do that, I was able to build, you know, people who I would call again, the, the Canes are one of them, but just family out there. You guys, you know, you um, you and the other people, the, the members of the media and, uh, you know, Albany will always have a special place in my heart because I fell in love out there, too. And so I'm always going back to back to all, Albany to visit family. I was actually able to to take the love of my life from then Albany to Cleveland, which I appreciate her making that move. But um, because of that and, and it started with just football and it's now friends and family and lifestyle and again something I wear on my on my hand and a tattoo every every single day of my life and you know for for the rest of my life um just tells you how special and important that the city of Albany is to me and in my life can you raise that hand a little bit for our visual side to show off that too for our audio side this is the reason you've got to go to YouTube look at the look a little bit lower right there yeah look at that tattoo there it is yeah yeah, and I've got I, I got it again. Uh, won the championship, and first thing I did, I called my sister. I said, "Hey, I need you to I need you to write a number thirty-two, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tattoo it on me." So all my all my tattoos have meanings, and 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 my family members have written all of the all of the scripts that are on my on my body. But this one was super important. Just uh, again, similar to to receiving that scholarship, you know, a day I'll never forget. Arena Bowl thirty-two, um, you know, August eleventh was just a a day that I'll never forget because again, it was. You know, how old was I? 30, I mean, 30, 31, 32. I was 32 years old, actually, now that I think about it. You know, 32 years old, I'd spent at least 25 of those dedicated to football and doing everything I can do to, to reach the ultimate peak of success. And when we won and, and players and fans and family rushed the field and the confetti was pouring on us, I mean, that I get chills even thinking about it. Um, and that's a memory that I'll have, have for the rest of my life. And again, I wouldn't have it if it weren't for the Albany Empire family and, and the city of Albany. 2020 COVID hits, 2021, the empire shift to the NAL. I'm doing this question for Albany Empire fans because I'm sure they'd leave me social media messages if I didn't. And we give your former teammates the same questions like Mo Ruffins and Malachi and others. You are officially retired. You said, right, like two years was what you're going to do in Albany. You're yeah, retired but- and you're moving on to the next phase of your life, which is still we got to talk about that too, but just to confirm, it's over, yeah. you're retired, you're not coming back. For CT answers that question of whether or not his playing days are over as a professional athlete, we want to tell you about a sponsor that makes this podcast possible, and that is Mohawk Honda. Whether you're listening in Ohio or anywhere across upstate New York, isn't it time that you decided to get into a new ride? Isn't it time for you to work with people you trust during the carbine experience? So many people may have never had that experience. They actually work with people that you can rely on and count on. Trust me, from my experiences, for the years I've worked with staff at Mohawk Honda, these are the type of people you want when you're making that big decision. For me, a 2022 pilot is on the way. I talked to my guy, Cam McKenna. He made it happen. 
And now you can do the same for yourself just by going to Mohawk Honda in Glenville. Stop over, ask about the inventory. It's now 2022. The new year is here and new rides are there in the inventory. So many people across upstate New York struggle to find vehicles. You don't have to worry about that at Mohawk Honda. You stop in, you work with a great staff, people who have continued to help the capital region in upstate New York for decades. Now you can do the same for yourself. Whether it's the pilot that I love or any other type of vehicle there at Mohawk Honda, they want to make sure you're happy with your ride. It's Mohawk Honda, Freeman's Bridge Road in Glenville, New York, where they always go out of their way to please you. Now, CT, are you retired? Are you not retired? You got to tell us. So I said it, I said it maybe 10 years ago when I first started seeing the big retirement posts. And again, and this is no knock on the people who do it, but what I've seen is players will announce retirement and they go and they get into something else, right? But they still have the itch and they still want to do it. And then they get a phone call and they say, you know what? I'm back. I'm coming back. Um, I'm not sure I will be able to say I'm done until I physically feel like I can't compete at the professional level. Um, and in talking to guys like Malachi and Mo, who, who have since announced their retirement after after the, the most re recent NAL championship game, they said, you know, even after that game, they said they took the pads off and they – and they knew that they were done. They knew that, that that was it. And they didn't love it anymore. And they wanted to try something else. When I finished in 2019, I felt like I could still play. I could continue to play. With that being said, I don't know if I can say I'm retired. But with that being said, everybody's got a price. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, <laughs> hey, man, stay in shape. I got a price. If you reach the price, I can play. But again, it's not something I'm actively pursuing, but I am, I'm, I'm sprinting against our college and pro athletes every day. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm training with our college and pro athletes every day. I feel better now at 35 than I ever did at 25. Um, and, and so, you know, I still feel good. And so I'm never going to take it off the table, but I will say everybody, everybody does have a, have a price. Quoting the WWF legend ted dibiase the million dollar man that's exactly right it's a smart business decision right you're not going to say no if the money gets too big that's the right move now it'd be really cool and maybe at some point this is how some people know you that they know you from your athletic career but maybe they'll know you from your movie career very soon because every time i see you hanging out with these celebrities i see it on instagram uh, for those who don't know take us from the start of how you landed your first movie role and the newest film that's out now that people can watch with the sports tied to it Yes. Wild, um, wild journey. Again, just connections through playing professional sports. Um, 2011, I, I was playing in Reading, Pennsylvania, um, small city in PA outside of Philly. And I, I played on a team in the, uh, at the time, indoor football league. And we had a shorter season. So I went out there to basically get some more film to be able to get back up to the arena football league. And our season ended in July and it worked out. Or, um, yes, it was July because it worked out that, I had one of my best friends, um, name was Chase Sanders, and I always got to give him love when, he, when, when this comes up because he sent me a blog post calling for special ability football players for a superhero movie sequel. And that title was so long that I just got bored even reading it halfway through, and I thought, you know, this <laughs> is for me, whatever. So he texted me again a couple of days later. He said, hey, man, did you fill out that casting call? I said, no, not yet. Text me a couple days later. Hey, did you fill out that casting call? No, man, I'm too busy. So finally, like, basically to say to him, yes, I filled out this casting call. I filled it out. It was, you know, it took me took me some time. Had to had to put some some pictures and some highlights and and kind of tell my story. Um, 
through this casting call, sent it in. And I got, you know, two weeks later, I received a phone call from a, a woman who I'm still very, who I'm now very close friends with after, after 10 years in the, in the business. But she said, Hey, she said, um, CT, I loved your, you know, loved your, loved your bio, everything about you, the pictures and the video. Um, I want to know if you'll be a part of the movie. Only thing is I can't tell you what movie is. I can't tell you when we're doing it. I can just tell you that I need you to be in this hotel in two weeks and I need you to be there for three days. And I said, yeah, let's go. Right. My sister, my mom, my dad, they're like, wait, you don't know what it is. You don't know what they're paying you. You don't know where you're going. You don't know what. And I go, okay, yeah, maybe that's not like a very good decision, but I, I followed my heart. Like I did the rest of my career. We ended up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, I was there for three days and it turns out we found out 12 years later that we were shooting the sequel to the dark Knight, which was the dark Knight rises. And um, so that scene you see where Bane walks out on the field, he blows the field up. I'm running down chasing Heinz Ward and I get blown up. That's you. That's you in the film. Yes. Right. So the taste of that was, was unlike anything I'd ever, I'd ever felt before. So there are, you know, two sets of us with Gotham city team and then the other team and we go out on the field and there are 10,000 extras Pittsburgh Steelers fans who are in the, in the crowd and they go crazy. They go nuts. And I'm thinking like, they don't even know who we are. These are made up teams. We're fake people. It doesn't say my name on the back. It's just some made up guy. And they went crazy. And we, we start rolling with Christopher Nolan, who's in my mind, one of, one of the greatest directors of all time when it comes to film, um, working very closely with Christopher Nolan, seeing how he does things, watching them blow the field up, watching the stuntmen work, watching, you know, Bane come out, Tom Hardy do his thing. And the whole time, the energy was so high. We shot from 4 a.m. till it was two or three in the morning that next day. So we almost shot for 24 hours. Um, and it was, energy was crazy the whole time. I mean, I was completely stimulated and caffeinated. I, I probably, you know, 16, 18 coffees in that time, but it was just an experience that I said, I thought I had to have more. Um, and so kind of our little exit interviews, like you do in professional football, they talk to you about how you did, about how you took on the choreography, right? Cause it's a little different to do, um, movie and TV football. Cause you can't just go out and play. Cause then you got to shoot the scenes over and over again. It's got to fit, you know, everything that they, the story they want to tell. Um, they said, Hey, we, we like how you listen to direction. We like that you show up on time. We like that you're, you know, a decent athlete. Um, we'll be in touch. And they were in touch and have been in touch ever since then. I've gotten the opportunity to do focus with Will Smith and Margot Robbie. Um, that was the first movie that I'd actually did um, big time stunts on. And you can see me in it. And um, we, we did Woodlawn, which was a film, um, by the directors who ultimately ended up directing the most recent movie. We did safety, which was a Disney plus film. We've done, I mean, 10, 15 TV shows. We've done commercials and um, they're, they're great. The, the people I work with are great. And, and in the industry, it's just like anything, show up on time, be kind to people, do your job and you'll, you'll get asked to come back. And so um, the most recent film that was that was released in theaters on, on Christmas called American underdog. And it was the, the Kurt Warner story. And, and if you know anything about Kurt Warner, you know, his story was just wild from basically, uh, you know, unheard of division three college quarterback to um, the cashier at high V to arena football player to the ultimately an NFL um, record holder, um, starting quarterback, one, championships, multiple championships. I mean, the guy's story is outrageous. And it's one of those things. I mean, you, you can't even write it, but they figured out how to, how to write it. Um, and, and so I got asked to do that movie last year around this time. We're out there February, March. And um, 
the guy who usually coordinates the football scenes, basically takes all the players, shows what plays are going to happen, runs them through it, just like a practice, just like you would, you would do in a regular football practice. He was working on another TV show called Swagger for Apple+. Plus. So he said, hey, CT, you've got some decent arena football experience. Do you mind coordinating and help coordinate some of the arena football scenes? Um, so it gave me the opportunity to be behind the camera, to come up with the plays, to put people in the right position, to come up with the stunts, to work closely with the actors, work closely with directors. I mean, I'm in meetings. I'm in meetings with Zachary Levi, Anna Paquin, and the directors of this film. And I'm thinking, like, how did it? How did I, you know, I mean, how did I ever end up? Um, and, you know, and, and, it, and it's just such a cool process. And I'd never worked behind the camera before, so I got the opportunity to do that. And then this movie gave me an opportunity to do some stunts in the arena football scene. So you'll see I have a couple stunts where I go flying over the wall. And then um, I was actually cast in this one as Ricky Prohl, who um, was one of Kurt Warner's main receivers, one of one of his all-pro receivers, um, his first couple years with the Rams. And it fits well Ricky Prohl just like an average looking white guy CT an average looking white guy so he said hey th this is perfect right and so did a couple stunts as Ricky Prohl a couple scenes as Ricky Prohl you know in, in locker rooms and film rooms and all that kind of stuff and it was such such a great experience we got close with with the actors and um actually they you know cool story Zach invited us out my girlfriend and I to go to to stay with them at their ranch out in Texas and go skydiving and we went out there for her birthday and spent some time with them just really cool things again you know you're jumping out of a, an airplane from whatever 10,000 feet I'm with like the person I love the most I'm in a place that I've never been we're hanging out with this guy who is like pretty well known and it's just like what you know it's so I'm just trying to live like Every moment, moment to moment, I'm trying to be there. I'm trying to be in the moment because, uh, you know, it'll be a good story. I'll have good stories to tell when, I, when I'm when i ready to settle down and look back on all of it. But right now, I'm just like taking it all in and just enjoying myself. That's the amazing part. You just look around and like, what is happening right now? What is what is my <laughs> life come to? Right? Yeah, I, I blacked out. I don't even know how I got up there. Um, and, yeah, and the coolest part about this yeah. is like, you hear some of these stories. For those hearing this for the first time, they may have not heard a single one of these stories you can clearly talk. You've had a personality and you're also in the podcast world now. Cutoffs and coffee, man. We were texting before we went on. I'm like, of course you're doing a podcast because it's not as if you need to sleep. It's not as if you're not busy enough. How have you enjoyed almost the media world now enjoying the podcast and what can people find out when they check out the podcast soon? Yeah, I really appreciate you asking about that. We, uh, you know, if you're watching the, the video version, got a nice little setup, got my blue lights back here. got a light, got a camera, um, you know, got the microphone. I, uh, I have a broadcasting background, was a broadcasting major in, in, in college and always loved, you know, being in front of the camera, talking about sports, interviewing people, being interviewed, doing all this kind of stuff. And um, I didn't really have my metaphorical itch scratched in the broadcasting side when I was done playing football. Um, so we decided another coach and I kind of put our heads together in quarantine and we thought, how can we continue to grow the brand of the facility we're at T3 performance out here in Avon, Ohio? How can we continue to grow the brand and how are we able to reach more people? Right? Like I said, I just want to, I'm all I'm trying to do is inspire people to be better. And if you hear me on a podcast or you hear this, or you see film on YouTube or whatever it is, if I can have one thing to inspire an individual to have a better day, I feel like I've, I've really done what I've um, you know been called here to do. And so it was really just how can we can connect with people in the industry and have good conversations and put out really good content, not only that I can learn and be a better coach and, and be a better athlete from, but how we can give more information for other people to learn and, and athletes who maybe I've trained before who don't get the opportunity to see us every day in, in the colleges or the, or the, the facilities that we work at. Um, 
you know, how are we going to be able to give them this information? And we started with the idea of like, everybody's quarantined. Let's just call coaches and talk to them. And then it seems like, well, okay, people aren't really dying to just have phone conversations. I don't really want to have that phone conversation either. Um, so we just out of nowhere, pretty much like bought a zoom link and decided to start a podcast. And my buddy said, man, what are we going to talk about? What's, what's the name? What's, you know, what are we thinking? I said, yo, what about sleeveless shirts and stimulants? I thought, okay, well, that's a, that's a good idea, but like, that's a little too wordy. Right. And then I thought, hey, coughs and coffee, right? Just a couple of bros, like sitting back, relaxing, sipping, you know, sipping on some coffee and, and talking about training. And that just, that just stuck. Um, and so we're now 29 episodes in. We've had some just incredible conversations with some really elite coaches who I feel like even after 10 years in the business, I have no business sitting down and talking to, right? They're like, oh, you've only been in it for 10 years. And I like, I created the barbell. It's like, well, yeah, I appreciate that, but I would like to, you know, we're trying to learn. Um, right. And it again opened up opened up doors, and and it's now kind of scratching that broadcasting itch that that I've always had. I just love talking to people. I love hearing people's stories. Um, I love hearing what got people from the position they were at to the position we're at now, and and what you learn about all these. Um, all these coaches. And, and let me just say for people listening, it's not just strength coaches. We have mental performance coaches. We have, uh, we have nutritionists. I had a, uh, a, a sleep scientist on a couple of weeks ago. I mean, we're just trying to, it, it's really just optimization for, for lifestyle in general. Um, and so, you know, we, we start rolling through that and, and start having some success with that. And that's super cool. And, and just the name has really gotten us into the door. Like, Oh, cut off. Yeah, that's, that's my thing. I'll get on with you guys. I don't even know what you talk about but we'll get on because the name cut off some coffee. And so since then I've, I've started to started to put out, put out some gear. So we've got hats, we've got shirts. I'm wearing, I'm wearing the hat now. We've got a pretty there you go. logo. Um, and again, it's just about like spreading the good word, you know, and, and trying to help people because, you know, I know I was in a position at one point where I was done. And if I would have stopped in, I've already talked about a couple of those opportunities. Now, if I would have stopped in my, my path moving forward would have led me somewhere completely differently. And what I've, learn from every single conversation we've had because we make sure to ask this question. Um, everybody who was successful and everybody that we talked to had that moment, had that paradigm shift where they thought what I'm doing now is either not good for me or it's not sustainable or it's not taking me in the right direction. And this is the change I'm going to make. And this is where it's taking me to now. And that's one of my favorite parts of the podcast is you see guys who are, you see, you see guys that say guys, you see men and women who are both very successful and you wonder, like, have you always been like this? And it turns out 100% of them have not, right? So it gives people kind of the idea that like, okay, it doesn't matter where I'm at now. Like if I make a change today, if I change my morning routine, if I start sleeping a little better, if I just walk from not walking, I just start walking, you know, 10 minutes a day, how much, how much better, how much healthier I can get. And I, and I think it's done a good job of doing just that is just getting people moving, inspiring people, lighting people up from good stories. And, and we just, we have a good time. We, again, we don't talk about just training. We talk about music. We talk about the perfect cutoff. We talk about coffee. Um, there are a lot of really good things that we, that we, that we, um, we talk about. So if anybody's interested in that, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify. We, we also have the YouTube version, um, but, but the cutoffs and coffee podcast is a pretty easy to Google. And let me also say this um, before I wrap up this part of it is we were looking for a name that didn't have a ton of other things in common, right? We didn't, we, we didn't want cutoffs and coffee to pop up and there'd be, there'd be 12 different brands of cutoffs and coffee. So I had a buddy reach out the other day. He said, Hey man, I can't find, I can't find the, the link for cutoffs and coffee. Um, you know, what, what do I need to search? And he just searched 
coffee and. So it turns out that there is a podcast on Apple Podcasts. There is a podcast on Spotify Podcasts called Coffee and Cleavage. That is not us. <laughs> it is not us because the, the picture on the site is what you would imagine it is. That's not us. We are cutoffs and coffee, not coffee and cleavage. So if anybody has any questions, hopefully that clears it up. I still believe coffee and cleavage will have a big spike in New York ratings all of a sudden yes. over the next two weeks, just out of sheer curiosity. And you're going to be somehow okay. tagged on all the social media posts wrong or maybe on purpose. I don't know. I like how we both have that similar mindset, though, because you come from the athlete background where you've done so many interviews before, whether it be pregame, postgame, or a reporter, whether it be TV or newspapers are just looking for a quote. And there's no genuine conversation happening. But those conversations that you're having on your podcast are fulfilling because you feel like you're not only just getting to know somebody, but you hope that somebody listening in this great world that is podcasting is taking something away from it. I love how we both have that same mindset when it comes to those real, true, honest conversations. And check out Cutoffs and Coffee for those conversations and advice on how to continue to have great health, whether it be physical health, mental health, and all the things you can learn. So we'll close with this. I mean, you're going to offer advice for that on that podcast. Yeah, You've shared a lot of these tips and stories already, but the best advice to get where you are in your career, if somebody's listening to this in Carmel, Indiana, or Albany, New York, and they want to be a professional athlete, they want to be a Division One football player, what are some of the best pieces of advice you could offer them? I, I really appreciate you bringing that up. And, and often I go back and forth with thinking, you know, if I could tell myself, my younger self, something, what would it be? Um, what would I do? What would I want to change? And, you know, ultimately I, I don't have any regrets. I wouldn't change any, anything um, that has gotten me to the point now. I, I wouldn't touch any of that. But if I could give advice, it would be find somebody who's doing what you want to do. Find somebody who you look up to um, and follow what they do. And I don't mean like follow on social media and repost their stuff. That's not what I mean. Um, I mean, really find out who, who that human being is, what they did to be able to get to the position they're at and just follow them and do what they do. And then try to add something from you, from your heart. Like you mentioned, something organic that you are passionate about and add it to what they're doing. Um, we have young strength coach ask, ask all the time, what do we need to do? You know, there are a couple of coaches who were working with Cleveland Browns guys, working with some um, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers guys, working with high level professional athletes, division one college players. And they say, I want to coach them. What do we need to do? And I said, okay, you know, how, how many coaches do you know who are coaching division one coaches or, or athletes? How many people do you know who are coaching professional athletes? Well, I know two. Okay. How much do you know about those two, two people and their process and what goes on through their mind with this? I don't know anything about it. Okay. Let's spend a little bit of time learning from them and picking their brain. And I'll tell you with social media, it is easier now than it was, right? We're not sending VHS tapes out to people anymore, but it is easier. You can kind of learn a little bit about the individual. Um, about what they do and about what, what got them there, but also understand that nothing will get done if you're not passionate and if you don't obsess over the things you want. Um, one thing that I think separated me from a lot of people in, in, in my professional career, my, my professional career is that I was obsessed with hard work and I could say no matter what, that you were not gonna outwork me. And that's something that's said a lot, like, oh yeah, dude, I work hard. It's like, no, you don't understand. It doesn't matter. I'm gonna work harder than you, period. So anytime a challenge was brought up, anytime I saw a better athlete or I saw somebody at the place I wanted to be, I was willing to do what other people were not. And sometimes it was getting up at five o'clock in high school, going to the weight room, not having any idea what to do in the weight room. Sometimes it was, you know, going and watching more film, 
again, even breaking down film that I didn't even understand what I was watching, but I was sitting there and I was doing it and I was consistent about it. So understand what you're passionate about, get obsessed with what you're passionate about and chase it as hard as you can. Because the moment that that light bulb switches and you get to where you want to go or you get in the right path, there's a thousand moments right before that, that if you quit, you will never reach it. And we never know how close we are until we actually decide to chase it wholeheartedly. We cannot half ask anything and we can't be there. And that's again with the podcast, like that's why I got the setup back here. That's why I bought the microphone because I said, if I was going to do this, this was going to be the absolute best podcast that, that I'm able to produce and I, that I'm able to host. Um, and I carried that and I still carry that thought process into my training career. I carry it when I'm with my athletes. Um, you know, and I, a lot of manifestation, a lot of time meditating and thinking about it. And this is what I want and telling people, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to have this and I'm going to get there. Um, cause I truly believe in energy and, and manifesting things you want. Um, so if we can take any from anything from that, right. It's, it's work as hard as you possibly can find somebody who's doing what you're doing, chase them, get information from them and get obsessed with something, fall in love with something that you really truly want. Not because it gives you money, not because it's going to get you a, a girlfriend or a boyfriend, not because it's going to get you clout or Instagram followers. Find it because it's going to fulfill you and what is going on in your heart and what you want. And I promise that with enough hard work, you're, you're going to be able to achieve that. CT, that's incredible advice. Thank you. Appreciate you doing that. If there's somebody who wants to reach out and do that social media advice to reach out to people like you, shout out that Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff so they can make sure to leave you a comment as well. Yeah, you got it. And, and I, I try my best to answer them. And I, I appreciate all the questions when people do come on and, and ask. But it's um, at the real CT on, on Instagram. A lot of fake ones out there, but I'm the, the real one. So at the real CT. And I do say that somewhat tongue in cheek. And then I'm um, at Colin underscore Taylor on, on Twitter because the real CT was taken by a guy who's got one tweet. So I'm going to try to figure out if I can, if I can switch that up, but that's, that's where I'm at most of the time. Um, and then, you know, just the, just the real CT also on, on Facebook, there's some stuff there, but I'm pretty much on Instagram. And again, I try my best to, to have, have good meaningful conversations with everybody who reaches out. Cause I, I appreciate every, every single person who takes the time to do that. Cause I've reached out to people that I've been scared to, to reach back to. And when they talk to me, it, 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 you know, touches a special part of my heart. So I want to be that same thing for, for other people. One day, the guy from MTV's the challenge and you, the CT versus CT off is going to happen. But until then you've got those social media handles and he doesn't. So take that. Yeah, CT. That's exactly right. I'll tell you. Any, and I appreciate that, that recognition because I will bring that up and people say, no, I don't know CT. And then I'm like, all right, I don't want to talk to you. It's <laughs> the one I said, all right, man, me and CT, we got to, we got to go head to head one of these days. Um, you know, Sounds like a future out. guest on your podcast, CT with yeah, CT. Right. And I'll tell you still to this day, my girlfriend, after two and a half years of being together, she still calls him the real CT. But one of these days I'm going to get her to admit that, that it's me. <laughs> That's the new year's resolution for 2022 for everybody right there. Yeah, uh, Colin probably. Taylor. The real CT. I appreciate you spending some time with me today. Thank you so much for being the first guest of the season. And keep up the great work, man. So happy to see you're crushing it post-football career. And can't, can't wait to see what's coming for you in the future. Hey, man, I so much appreciate being on. Thank you so much. Can't wait to share it, get the information out to everybody. Thanks again for, for reaching out. We will definitely stay in touch.